Welcome. I'm so glad to have you with us. This is our second lesson in our series titled The Least Likely. Today's lesson is titled Idols. In this session, we are going to be reading from Judges chapter 6 and chapter 8 as we discuss the story of Gideon. The story of Gideon is full of fear and uncertainty. And it begs to ask the question, Will we learn to put our trust in God instead of the things of this world? So let's begin and find out what Gideon decides and then ask that question for ourselves. Our first reading comes from Judges chapter 6. Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Now let's jump over to Judges chapter 8. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earning from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Israelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, We will be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment, and each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian or the chains that were on their camels' necks. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed at Orpha, his town. All Israelite, all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Let's explore the story of Gideon a little deeper now. Gideon is one of the six major judges in the Bible. In the beginning of his story, we see him as a normal man being chosen by God to become a judge. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Even though God had chosen Gideon, Gideon still shows doubt and uncertainty, which is what we see in Moses in his encounter with God at the burning bush. Gideon fails to see that God is bigger than himself. He needs proof. Gideon finally concedes that he is to follow through with God's will, but only if he is satisfied with the proof provided. His first task is to take down the family altar, which is used not for Yahweh's worship, but for the gods of Baal and Asherah. While he is faithful in his mission, we see Gideon is as we see Gideon is a timid, scared man again. Because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Judges 6.27 
Once again, as in other stories of the Bible, we see that God doesn't always choose the strong and powerful to do his work. God can choose and use any one of us for his glory. Gideon's story continues with the fight against the Midianites and the Amicalites. Before the battle, God God shaves down the number of people in Gideon's army. When the army is small enough, God instructs Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. It is not because of any man that the army is defeated, but because of God. Gideon is merely an instrument to carry out God's plan. During his encounter with God, Gideon is slow to trust that he will follow through. Again, we see Gideon's fear. God tells him that if he is afraid, he can go down and listen to words being spoken by the enemy, camp. Of course, we see Gideon follow through with this. God knows Gideon is fearful, and he gives him more reassurance that he will be there. After he is assured, Gideon worships God and follows the plan. Despite his success, we see Gideon fall at the end of his story. At first, we see his strength in God. When the people want to make him ruler, he refuses, saying, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. 8.23 However, when he goes on to create an ephod, a device that was probably used for guidance from an oracle or deity, the ephod becomes an idol, an image of God that Gideon controls. Israel begins to worship their physical, this physical image rather than the one true God. It's ironic that at the beginning of his story we see Gideon knocking down an idol, but at the end we see him crafting one, leading Israel astray. As a religious leader, he fails, even though as a military leader, he succeeds. However, God works with Gideon throughout his entire life. Gideon's life, Gideon's story, is full of fear and uncertainty. Gideon is asked to lead a mighty, to lead an army for the Lord against a mighty army that has been terrorizing the Israelites. And Gideon is fearful to do so. He has doubts. He has uncertainties. He asks for signs multiple times that the Lord is, this truly is the Lord talking to him. Um, And even when he is satisfied that it is the Lord, we see that he is still fearful and does things in the cover of darkness, like tearing down the family, the family idols. Uh, He is not wanting to get in trouble. He is not wanting to ruffle feathers. He is not wanting uh, to get himself killed. And so we see a lot of fear in Gideon and a lot of hesitation. And he is very slow in turning to the Lord and allowing the Lord to be his strength. Uh, eventually he does, and he, we see that he fights the battle, he's victorious, but even in the midst of the fighting, fear again enters in, and he is timid, and he is unsure, and he is slow to trust in God. And at the end, you would think that 
he had it all figured out, that he had his eyes set on the Lord, his deliverer, his strength, and that he was going to follow him. And yet we see Gideon turning to um, these other ways, like the ephod, something that he can control, um, instead of putting his trust in God. And so it begs us to ask the question, who are we and are we living as children of God? Who are we and are we living as children of God? Do we allow fear to turn us to the things of this world? Or do we allow fear to turn us towards God? And do we put our trust in God who is our strength and our Redeemer? And this is not a once and done question. This is a daily ongoing question that we have to constantly be asking ourselves. In these moments, am I living as a child of God or am I seeking out other things for my, my security? And I think it's very appropriate that we talk about this during a global pandemic in which Fear is in abundance and uncertainty is in abundance. How are we responding to these things? Are we searching out other things for our security? Or are we putting our trust in God? I think that's a difficult question to ask ourselves. Because I think if we're being honest, our gut, reaction to the pandemic and the uncertainties is to seek other areas for our security, whether it be in stockpiling resources, um, putting our hope in a vaccine, or uh, the latest medical breakthrough or study. Not that those things are bad things. Don't, don't hear me say that being prepared or taking care of ourselves with modern medicine are bad things, but are they becoming our salvation in the midst of the fear? Or are we putting our trust in God? Are we allowing Him to be the one who guides us? Are we allowing Him to be the one we put our hope in? Are we allowing him to be the one who takes our fears away from us? Are we living as children of God or are we, are we living as children of the world? That's, that's really at the heart of what's going on here. And fear has a tendency to bring that out to the surface. So we may be able to fake it at other times, but then when we're in a situation of fear... It gets brought to the surface and we can kind of see who we really are and where we turn to in moments of crisis. Are we a people who turn to the Lord or are we a people who turn to other things? And if our answer is, well, I have I've been turning to other things for my security. Then that means we're exactly in the same boat as Gideon, you know. And Gideon was a judge and 
was chosen by God uh, to save the people of Israel. So don't go beating yourself up if that's the case. Uh, because I think oftentimes we, we all, at different areas in our life, find ourselves putting our trust and our faith and our hope in things other than God. And when we realize that, when we recognize that, that gives us the opportunity to change things in our lives, to reprioritize and refocus our, our lives on God and say, yes, my gut reaction was to do this, but Lord, I want to put my trust in you. And we can, we can refocus our lives and follow him in those moments. So if you find yourself saying, well, lately I've been putting my trust in such and such things around me, don't beat yourself up about it. Just take this as an opportunity to reorient yourself towards Christ and put your trust in him. And I think I think the story of Gideon is a great reminder that that reorientation of our lives towards God is an ongoing thing. Um, because not only do we live in a world that has fear and uncertainty in it on a daily basis, um, but even Gideon goes through times of He's with God, he's not with God, he's doing things for God. And then at the very end of the story, he creates this idol. And we're scratching ourselves, our heads saying, what? Why did you do that? Um, and yet, if we stop and look at our own lives, maybe we have times in which we're really good at following the Lord. And we have our, our hearts in tune with God. And then, all of a sudden, we find ourselves not in tune with God and not following him on a daily basis and putting our trust and our hope in other things that we can control, things that we can see and put our hands on. And when we find ourselves in those moments, that's when we need to stop and reorient towards God and say, Lord, my trust, my hope is in you. My salvation is in you. Lord, transform me. Lord, help me keep my eyes on you. Help me to follow you in everything that I do. I think that's the good news of the story of Gideon. I think that's the good news of the entire book of the Bible. All of scripture pointing to the fact that God is at work redeeming us. Making us ever more in his image. And there is no point in our lives in which we are too far gone. No point in our lives in which we have it all figured out. We are constantly seeking the Lord. We are constantly allowing Him to transform us. And that is really good news for all of us because um, if you're anything like me, you make mistakes. Uh, and you let fear get the better of you sometimes. Um, or you let anger get the better of you or jealousy, or the situations of life, you name it. Um, this world has a way of trying to distract us and draw us away, uh, whether it's through entertainment, uh, social media, uh, anything. Um, and the good news is that God 
is there, always there with us, always calling us, always guiding us, if we will just let him, if we will keep our eyes on him and follow, he is there. And that's some good news for us. So remember, no matter what God is calling you to do, no matter what you're going through in your life right now, God will be enough for you. And God will be there for you. So put your trust in Him. Seek Him out on a daily basis. And live as His children in this world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this reminder for the story of Gideon that you use those who don't seem to be qualified that you don't give up on us that you can put up with our uncertainty and our fears and our doubts that you are see us through So Lord, help us to put our trust in you. Help us to center our lives on you and live as your children in this world so that others may come to put their hope in the the God of life, in the God of love. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Go in his grace and peace and know that you are loved.